There's so much happening in the world. We've been talking about that uh, the last several weeks, all the things that's going on and how it affects our lives and um, how we should be drawing closer to God, fellowshipping with him in the word of God, getting familiar with who he is and our way around the Bible, staying close to Jesus, having our faith stay strong. Yes. Um, but at the same time, we want to remind ourselves of another very important purpose and desire that's on the heart of our Heavenly Father, and that is for the people that don't know him, the people that are lost. And uh, because sometimes, you know, we can, it's just like what Mary said as, we, as she introduced the Waymaker song. We're always, in, we're the needy people, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> help me, bless me, and we often do need help and blessing. But um, the heart of God is to love him and love people, too, that we are his hands and feet in the yes. earth. And when you see everything happening in the earth, you realize there are a lot of lost people, a lot of hurting people that don't know him. And, uh, of course, we, we say this often. There are only two places that people go when they leave this earth, eternal life or eternal death. And so the stakes are high, and we want to remember uh, that he has a great love for the lost. So we are going to talk today about the lost sheep, that God cares about the one. Mm -hmm. Just like we were saying, I thought, as, as they were introducing some of these things in the song about the face of one, I thought, this is just what we're going to be talking about today. That, Sounds uh, like the Holy Spirit to me. Yeah. So let's just take a moment and pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Uh, we're so thankful for our salvation. Mm. We're thankful that we can know you. We thank you that through your word and fellowship with you, we, we discover we have purpose. Our life has meaning. Our life has a destiny. Mm. And Lord, we want to share that same hope, that same power and destiny with the people around us that don't know you. And I think of Jesus, like when you called your disciples, you said, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so we're asking you, Lord, this morning, as we look into your word, help us to become better fishers of men. Yes. There are people around that are hurting, people that are hungry. And, Lord, our ears are open. We ask you to teach us. Teach us, Holy Spirit, about the people around us. Help us to see the lost people in particular around us through your eyes. Yes. And we thank you for it all, what you're going to show us. And it's all for your glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So God is interested. He's interested in a harvest of souls before he comes back to the earth. Look at this scripture in James 5. We encourage you, even if we put it up on the PowerPoint, to look it up in your own Bible. We're not going to go through that many scriptures. And so James 5, 7 It says Wait, this, we get there? okay, Wait, we get there? again, Jesus is interested, God the Father is interested in a harvest of souls before he sends his son, Jesus, to come back. James 5, 7 says this, therefore be patient, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it mm. until he receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of your Lord draws near. So James here is using the illustration of a farmer who's patiently waiting for the autumn rain and the spring rain 
to remind believers of just having patience, like it's going to take time before we do see the Lord to come back. But the, one of the reasons that Jesus has not come back yet directly relates to this very thing. He's waiting for a harvest. Yes. He's waiting for the full harvest of people to come in, the precious fruit of the earth. That's what this scripture says. The farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. So just as a regular farmer in the natural uh, waits for the early rain, the latter rain, so the harvest can grow, and then the sickle comes in to be reaped. Mm. Jesus yes. is doing the same thing. We have to understand that he's waiting the same way for a harvest. But, of course, it's not a harvest like we think in the natural. He's not fruit of the earth, the precious fruit of the earth. He's not waiting for all the apple trees to bloom <laughs> and you know, the pears to fall off. No, he's waiting. People, people, the precious fruit of the earth refers to people like you and me. And the people that don't know him yet. Yes. That he wants to draw near to him to come into his kingdom. So the precious fruit of the earth refers to people. And every man, woman, and child, every race, color, nation, tongue, ethnic group is precious to the Lord. Amen. Jesus died for every person. And so every person is precious to the Lord. And he desires none to perish, but all to come to repentance. That's so right. So this is so important that we understand the heart of God and we yield our own spirit to the very spirit of God in, in the matter. That's true. Turn to Second Peter. You're in James. Go toward the back. And Second Peter is right after. <laughs> and right before First John. 2 Peter 3, verse 7, we're going to start at verse 7. This is good. This is, Peter is, is talking about the return of Christ and how people are making fun about it, you know, saying that, oh, where is he? You said he's coming, and everything is still the same, and he's declared, Peter is declaring, it says, well, they forget that the heavens and the earth were made by the word of God. And this is what he says in verse 7. He says, by the same word, the heaven and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. Verse 8. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And a lot of people have looked at this scripture, and then they started to analyze the Bible, and they go back through the historical uh, record that is in the Bible, and they declare that the earth, they say that, uh, some say that the earth is only 6,000 years old. I personally believe it's older than that. I think this 6,000 years that they've come and brought together is that man's history on earth has only been 6,000 years. And it's, uh, there was 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham, 2,000 years from Abraham to Christ, and from Christ to right now is roughly 2,000 years. And if we take a look at what he says here, that... If we calculate, and if God is always calculating the days like this, but that's another thing because I'll show you in the scripture where it 
silent in heaven for a half hour, and that's a half hour. But yet, we're looking at this, and he is saying that God is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should turn to repentance. All should, return to, all should turn to repentance. Now, you and I have a responsibility. God has ordained you and I to be living during this time, and he's given you and I the ability, the gifts, to talk to people about Christ, to share our faith, to lead others to Christ. It's not just the missionary over in a foreign country. It's not just the pastor. It's not just the evangelist. It is for you and I. It's what's called the Great Commission in the Bible. And you'll find that in Mark chapter 16. You'll find that in Matthew 28. But he says that it is for all people. And especially now with the things that are flying around this earth and what has happened here just in this last few years with COVID, etc. Do you not sense an urgency in life? And that's good. You should sense an urgency in life. Because we're all going to a place that is recorded in the scripture that explains what's happening for us to understand. But you and I are called to be part of the Great Commission. We look at, uh, really, just recently in the news, how many people in uh, Ukraine thought that that was going to be their last day on earth? Yeah. And how Maybe. many people were ready? How many people heard about Jesus? And how many people didn't? Would they have taken it more seriously? Yeah. Would they have taken it more seriously? Because everybody's going to stand before Jesus. Everyone. You and I. If they knew that that was going to happen, wouldn't you think that they would be prepared? Do you think that their focus, their energy would be in a different place. I think so too. <laughs> and who do you and I know that need to know the Lord? Every single one of us knows somebody. It could be a family member. Several. <laughs> several is right. Well, You know, somebody who needs the Lord, somebody who hasn't even investigated what Christianity is about, or maybe even the prodigal who is once in father's house, but then walked away. Yeah. And we know people like that. Every single one of us knows somebody like that. Mm -hmm. But yet you and I have a call of God on our lives to be a witness for Christ. Yeah. And God can change someone's life through you. That's pretty powerful thought. But you and I have to be willing to share our faith. We have to be willing to step out and not be afraid. You know, it's incredibly rewarding when you lead somebody to Christ. Or that you're just part of the process. Because 
you and I are part of the process that's been going on for years and years and years. And we are called to be this witness. We are called to join in the Great Commission. You know it, I know it could be a family member, a co-worker, somebody that you rub elbows with, you know, daily. Could be your next door neighbor. Could be your spouse. And, but Jesus cares about the single one. He cares about the one. So you have to take a look at your sphere of influence and think about the people you know. I think God brought pictures of people into your mind when I spoke of this. These are the people that God desperately wants them to know who he is. We just read this scripture that God is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. That's people. And God doesn't want any to perish, but he wants them to come to repentance. This is our responsibility in one fashion, one form, or another. We can't hide from doing this. Again, there's an urgency about it. Time is really running short. And we need to help whoever we can help. There's a great uh, parable in the Bible, in the New Testament, if you turn to Luke 15. It's the parable of the lost sheep. Luke 15, it starts in verse 3. The great chapter of the Bible. Yeah. Luke 15, it starts in verse 3. We don't have this up on PowerPoint, so it would be good to find it in your Bible. I'm going to read it, but you could just follow it along in your own, in your own scripture there. Wait till I hear the pages stop turning for just a moment. Luke 15, starting in verse 3. It says, so Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for the one that's lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. <laughs> when he arrives, he'll call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven mm. over one sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So here's a man, a shepherd, with a hundred sheep. And one of them just wanders away, gets lost. And his attitude could have been, oh, geez, you know. Well, it's just one. I've got 99 more. <laughs> What's one going to matter? And that shouldn't have done it anyways, you know, that dumb sheep. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> But obviously the one, I mean, Jesus is telling this story. He's, he's wanting us to understand the heart of God, yeah. the heart of the Father, that he's concerned about the, even just the one that walks away, that wanders away, because the one was valuable. He cared about one. Yes. You know, sometimes we look at big, everything in our day now, big is better, big is awesome. 
But God's saying, no, I care about the one lost sheep that wandered away. Yes. Because he knew if it wandered away, it would become destroyed. It would be outside of the sheepfold, there would be destruction ahead. Yes. So he made effort for the one. It took time for the one. It took patience to do that. And he searched for it. And he searched for it, obviously, with a heart of love. I love this picture. Isn't yes. it awesome? It's like I found you, you little sheep. <laughs> I mean, his heart attitude was not, oh, look what I have to do. Do I have to go out and find this? No, this little sheep, this one, was valuable to him. And so he wanted to bring it under his care and protection. He took the time. He took the effort yes. to go search for the one. I mean, just imagine yourself. Imagine Jesus as the shepherd that way. You're the sheep. He's given you that kind of hug, kissing you like that. I love it. That's really the way it is. It really is the heart of the Father. You are the one, because he loves us all individually, that he searched after. And the fact that you came back to Father's house, it's like, oh, I have you safe with me now. (laughs) All those kisses. It's sweet. I, I know when we first saw this picture, it almost made us both cry. It was yeah. like, oh, is this the way you love me, Lord? That's awesome. So he seeks out and he rejoices when the lost person is found. Because this is really what Jesus came to do. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He says, no one comes to the Father but through me. Yeah. So he's bringing us back to the Father. He's not just the way, the truth, and the life. He is, but the point is, no one goes back to the Father except through him. So now we're all a part. If you are in Christ, you're part of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the fellowship of that Trinity. It's beautiful. It's awesome. It's powerful. And there's love in the midst of all of it. So God's tender heart is searching and looking for the people that you know. That's right. Who do you know who needs to know the love of God, who needs salvation? It's an extraordinary love because, I mean, Romans 5, all, all through the epistles, but I think of Romans 5 that says God demonstrates his great love for us. Yet while we were sinners, he died for us. I mean, he could have looked at that sheep and said, you did a bad thing. You're not worthy. I'm not going after you. But no, even while we were dead in our sin, he went out searching for us. Gosh, love you, Jesus. From the foundation of the world, it says in Ephesians chapter 1, he had his eye on you. He planned in love for you to be adopted into his family. Mm. Think about that. If, if, If Jesus had not come at all for his lost sheep, with the heart of love and forgiveness, then eternal death was certain for all of us. That's what was at stake. So before you were a believer... Think about it. God really sought you out. God was, yes, the Holy Spirit was drawing you. There's a scripture in 1 John that said, we love him. We think that we found God, but actually... (laughs) It says we love God because he first loved us. What happens is we actually discover this whole plan. Yes. And go, you love me even though I've been dead in my sin? Because he sees who he will make you to be. Amen. 
when you're forgiven and you're made into a new creation in Christ, old things then, it says, pass away, all things become new. That's what he's after. Yes. He's ready to wipe the slate clean. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> Glory to God. Again, think of, think of everything that God arranged so that you could be saved. I mean, God is perfect. He's not limited by time. He knows the beginning from the end, end from the beginning. He knows how he was going to send somebody to speak to you that would stir the most holy emotions in you, that you would recognize your state, that you would recognize, whoa, I am so far away from God, and I need a way back. And God is still seeking those who are lost. He didn't stop with you. He didn't stop with right. me. What he wants to do is save the whole world. This is why Jesus came. But you and I, this is where we fit in. Praise God. Because right now, you and I are the hands, the feet. And we are the heart of God on this earth right now. Yeah. Think about it. I love this picture. We're the, we're the, the Bible declares the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart. We can love this way. We just need to recognize we can do it. Because God has something for us. What is our part? Well, let's take a look at Romans chapter 10. What is our part in all this? What, is, what do we have to do with trying to help somebody get saved? Well, I'll tell you what, we have everything to do with it. Everything. Romans chapter 10, it's going to be on PowerPoint, but I really do want it. Pastor Mamie and I, we really want you to know your way around the Bible. Because you might be witnessing to somebody and they, you might quote a scripture. You might quote it exact. But what happened to me when I was witnessing to somebody way early on, they asked me this question, well, where is that in the Bible? It took me a day and a half to find it, but <laughs> and that person, that person didn't even remember he asked me that question. <laughs> but I was on a quest. I was going to find it. I was going to show it to him. <laughs> but look at this, verse fourteen. Did I tell you verse fourteen? Yeah. Okay, very good. But how can they call on him? Talking about Jesus. How can they call on him unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Every believer has beautiful feet. Yes. Glory to God. How will they hear unless somebody is sent? You can't bail out on that by saying, well, I'm not sent. Because in John chapter 17, verse 18, Jesus says this. He's talking to the Father. He says, just as you sent me, Father, I'm sending them. Just as. Yeah. Just as. Yeah. 
It's the same anointing that Jesus had when he came here. You are a partaker of that same anointing. He's given you the ability to do this. He's given you the right time to do this. We are right here right now in a world that is messed up. And people's eternity are in the balance. Once again, those people in Ukraine didn't think they were going to have that war. And many of them, thousands of them, have lost their lives. You and I are sent ones. He sent you. You're going to run into people that I will never meet. And you have a responsibility before God to speak to them. We have the greatest news the world has ever known. That our sins can be forgiven. Even when we're at our worst, like that scripture declares. Hey, remember when you were really terrible? No, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a great list. <laughs> Not of you, but of me. No, I'm <laughs> hey, look, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yeah. Every single person that walked this earth except one, and that was Jesus Christ. And we understand the wages of sin is death. And that's eternal death. Yeah. That's an eternal torment yeah. in flames. Yeah. And Jesus paid the penalty for you. He paid the penalty yeah. for me. Hey, let me put it this way. You get arrested for speeding. It's your fifth time. <laughs> and the, you're in the courtroom and the judge is, you know, levying a steep fine against you. Not only the steep fine, you can't pay it. You have no ability to pay this fine. And prison awaits you. And the judge turns and looks at you and says, good news for you, somebody has paid your fine. You're set free, you can go. Well, that's what Jesus did for us in a sense. We were going to be prisoners for eternity. We could not pay a fine. Yeah. We, it was impossible for us to pay. <laughs> He's forgiven us our sins. And just like Pastor Mamie said when she was quoting 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You need to meditate on that. Because when you meditate on it, you think about it, it starts to become real inside of you. Real inside of you. You know, you might have a friend that says, oh, remember when we did this and we did that and we broke in over here and then we did this. And then you could say, that man's dead. And they say, what? No, you're right here. <laughs> no, that man's dead. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus because yeah. God has forgotten it. He forgot your sin. Yeah. When you confess your sin and you repent, the Bible declares as far as the east is from the west. Yeah. East is from the west. We'll get this right. <laughs> that that's how far away he's put your sin. Yeah. If you start walking west, you'll never go east. Never find it. The Bible declares he's thrown your sin in the sea of forgetfulness. That's the only thing that God forgets. When you confess your sin and you repent, he forgets that sin. 
<laughs> and this is the greatest news, and we need to tell people. We need to tell people it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility before God. Remember when I said we're going to stand before God? All of us. All of us. This is a responsibility every Christian has. And he's going to bring it up. It's like what Pastor Mamie said, you know, surprise me now, Lord, not when I get there. Let me know right now. Shock me now. (laughs) Don't shock me later. Shock me now. Let me know. Because you have time to change. Oh, glory to God. Think about that. This scripture, we just were reading Romans 10, 14. I'm just going to read it again. It says, how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Yeah. Consider your own life. How did you first hear about Jesus, about the Lord, uh-huh. about salvation? Think about it. Was it maybe in your home, maybe, as a, maybe your parent, maybe at a youth camp? Yeah. You know, maybe a friend, a, a, you know, somebody, a neighbor, maybe... Somebody invited you to church. That's often the way it happens. Because it seems like, you know, in the midst of a church setting where there's some preaching going on, some ministering around the Word of God, the understanding of what salvation is about can become clearer. Well, one thing that I've begun to believe over the years is that behind the scenes of every salvation, any person who comes to Christ, there have been People, somebody was praying for a heart to be receptive. You may not ever know that person until you reach heaven. I mean, we often on Tuesdays and Wednesdays pray for the lost. We pray for the the neighborhood. We pray for the families of the people that have lost Mm -hmm. loved ones or prodigals that are far from God. But somebody valued you enough to pray for you somewhere along the way. And then somebody to talk to you or to have a church to come to where you could hear the word of God and share the love of God and the, and the love of the gospel, yes. the message of the gospel with you. And I say, you know, it may have happened at church, but I know the a majority of the churches don't actually give an altar call. They make sort of, they give you some understanding of the gospel, but never quite get to the, how do I receive Christ into my life? And so there's often confusion for some people who think, well, I've gone to church. Right. Didn't something happen? I felt good when I <laughs> was there and I was listening. And again, I, it seemed like I felt good. But, you know, just because you feel good coming into a church doesn't mean anything happened in your heart. It's just like I think about if you walk yourself into, say, a, a building, a garage, and you sit in the garage and you look around and you think, I like this garage, it's clean, but it's, it doesn't make you a car, so to speak, like you don't become a car. Yeah. Same thing, like you come into a church, you sit down, you feel like, this is nice, and yeah. I kind of like this message, and I feel good, I feel good about God, myself. Did anything happen? Not. No. Probably not. Because salvation is about repentance of the heart. It's about what we talked about last week, turning. 
It's having a change of mind about God, your life. It's a recognition that I, I, I am a sinner. Yeah. I've sinned yeah. against the holy God, and I need a, a Savior. And I cannot make my way back to heaven on my own. I cannot do enough good works and feel like, well, I'm a pretty good person. Mm. Well, pretty good isn't perfection. <laughs> so the best and most powerful way, I believe, to help Someone come to Christ. When you think about somebody that you know who's far from God, who's lost, is to begin to pray for this person. Yes. Because it's only the Holy Spirit who can bring somebody's heart to recognize, I, I am a sinner. Mm -hmm. I've sinned against God. And you understand the message of the gospel. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Yes, we're the people who may speak it, Correct. but don't ever confuse what you're saying with the power to change that person's heart. It's the Holy Spirit who does that. Amen. And so we need to begin to pray that a person's heart would open up and see their need to repent. Correct. And, and accept the love and forgiveness that comes through a relationship with Christ. You know, it's true. I mean, it's important for you to start to ask God who are you, who should you start to pray for? Who is that person? It might be somebody who's never heard or somebody who's never been to church, somebody who might be even attacking you as a Christian. Or it might be somebody who was born again but wandered off. But you need to ask God, who is it that I need to spend some effort in trying to bring them back to Christ or introduce Christ to them. Yeah. Just like Pastor Mamie says, prayer is the first thing you need to do. Because you need that heart to be tender. Yeah. Because the Bible talks about seared consciousness. That they cannot hear any longer. But who is it that you need to start to seed their heart through prayer? Asking God to soften their heart. Easter's coming. Great opportunity to invite them then. But then again, why wait till Easter? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Today is the day of salvation, right? Yeah. Right. People are looking for hope. Yeah. Just read the headlines. Yeah. There's wars, rumors of wars. <laughs> Iran just bombed our embassy in Iraq. Inflation is going to be going out of control. People are looking for hope. You need to be praying about the people that are in your life. The orbit, so to speak, of your life. Who's in there that you know? They're lost. Or have walked away from God. Yeah. You need to ask God to reveal that person to me, Lord. I mean, this is your first thing. You ask God, who is this person that you have been working with through other people that now I, I'm able to speak to them now? 
Who are these people? This is what you do. And then the Lord reveals that person to you, whether you get a picture of them or you just bump into them and the conversation twirls around something about spiritual realities. That's the person that the Holy Spirit is asking you to start to pray for. You ask that God would soften their heart. You know, this scripture I want to take a look at here is, is Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. We need to invest in people so that there is a possibility for them to accept Christ, repent from their sin, recognize that they are a sinner, that they've sinned against the holy God, and their good works are nothing. Proverbs 11, verse 30. I love this. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. Yes, yes. And this is the kind of investment that brings great re- rewards for you. Yeah. You know, they're getting saved. But the Bible declares that you obtain a soul winner's crown. How about this? Jesus, the King of Kings, comes to you. And he's looking at you. And he sets on your head. The soul winner's crown. What kind of honor do you think that would be in heaven? Yeah. A crown. Yeah. A crown. Are you kidding me? And I'll bet it's incredibly beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and it fits perfect. Yeah. We need to start to take the Great Commission seriously. Because it's our responsibility. Yeah. Once again, how is this world and the people in your life going to know the love of God? It's through you. Yeah. Because they don't know. Yeah. You're the hands, you're the feet, you're the heart of God. And I'm asking you to start to pray and ask God, who is this person that you're asking me to start to work on? Your daily life is your mission field. You don't have to go somewhere to say, oh, I'm on the mission field. (laughs) You're in the mission field. (laughs) You open your eyes and you're living in the mission field. Again, some of it might be your spouse. Some of it might be your kids. Some of it might be your next door neighbor. You need to pray and ask God, Lord, God, show me the one who is really looking for hope. Show me the one who is looking for truth. Show me the one who is really searching, Lord. And he'll do it. James 5, 7, it says the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. And that's the people. God is the farmer. He's waiting for that very last person on this planet who will yield his heart to him. And and a good harvest comes from soil. If you ever planted a garden, the soil's got to be good, right? When the seed goes in. If the soil is good, something comes up. But sometimes, you know, it's hard to get seeds to grow in hard ground. How many gardeners know that? (laughs) You got to start digging, taking out stones and rocks to make that soil soften. And and often water on it will loosen it up. It makes the soil easier for the seed to get in there and get planted. And the Bible likens People's hearts are hearts to a garden that's under cultivation. Right. 
I mean, and sometimes circumstances, we say they bring the storms of life. But God can use the, a thunderstorm, so to speak, in a person's life who's been hardened to God, far away from God. And as that rain of the thunderstorm or the difficult circumstances yeah. kind of beats against that heart, we could pray that God would use that circumstance to begin to soften the heart, the soil of their heart, so that they begin to turn to him, so that when they hear the gospel or you begin to share something about your own faith, yeah. how God's helped you in your life, these are like seeds that go into softened soil. Yes. And so this is why prayer is so important, that we look around and we ask the Holy Spirit, who can I be praying for? Who's even in a difficult circumstance that instead of getting hardened towards God, the soil of their heart would get moved and watered. Yeah. You know, there, it reminds us of the parable of the sower that's in Mark 4. And if you want to turn there, yeah. we're just going to look at a few things about that parable. Mark 4, the parable of the sower. It likens the word of God to the seed. And of course, we know that the word of God, it says, is incorruptible seed. It's perfectly good seed. It Amen. will produce fruit. But it needs to get rooted inside the garden of someone's heart. That's how it will begin to grow when it's watered. And fruit will begin to slowly come from it. But this parable then describes four types of heart soil. Is really what it does. It describes hard soil. I think most of us are probably familiar with this parable. Hard soil, it describes the seed that went out onto rocky soil. It, it describes seed that was thrown into thorny ground. Yeah, yeah. And then it describes seed that went into good ground or good soil. And so what I'm doing, what we're doing here this morning is like we're really scattering the seed of God's word out into this yes, place. into your hearts. And it depends on the way the heart, the soil of the heart, the condition of the heart, whether that seed takes root or not. And again, prayer yes. can help. The, we want to be good ground, right? Amen. Nobody wants to be the hard ground because in verse 4, if you're there in Mark, let me get there myself, Mark chapter 4, it describes soil... It says, and as he was sowing, some seed fell along the path, and the birds just came and ate it up. That's the hard soil. You know, if a footpath gets pretty walked on, pretty hard. Yeah. And it describes what happens in verse 15. It actually says that Satan came because it just sat on the hard soil and just took it away. So this person was just not interested. The hard was hard. Satan came and stole the word away. Nothing penetrated in that heart. And then verse 5, it says, Other seed of the same kind fell on the ground full of rocks. But this soil had not, or this had not much soil, and at once it sprang up, but it had no depth of soil. There you go. There was nothing for that seed to root into. And so when, if you look over, I'm just going quickly through this, the explanation of what Jesus said, what this means is verse 16 yeah. It tells us what happened here. It says, 
This is the, these are the people that the word was sown onto stony ground. When they heard the word, they received and welcomed it with joy. Yes. This happens to a lot of people. They come into a church. They hear the message of the gospel preached. They actually receive it. They go, yes, some people, I believe, raise their hand, and they receive the word of God in salvation. But without letting that seed get rooted in your heart when persecution comes, what happens is people begin to understand better after that what the gospel requires. Because we say salvation is free, but there is a requirement of us. Yes. And when we find out that the gospel says that we're required to pick up our cross and follow him (laughs) and die to ourselves and serve others and give up our life, then there's some hesitation there to let that word root, let the, the, the salvation root inside of a person's heart. And what happens is they fall away. They endure for yeah, a while. Right. And it says when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word. There you go. They are offended and resentful when they stumble and fall away. Mm. And then there's the verse, there's Ver- verse yeah. 7, which describes the rocky soil. Well, it describes the thorny ground. Or, I'm sorry. Thorny, yeah, yeah, the thistles. And the, it says that the, it chokes out the seed. This starts to grow. This seed starts to grow. This person starts getting excited about church. They start coming to church. They start volunteering. But then all of a sudden it says in verse 19, the, those thorns and thistles are actually cares and anxieties of this life. The pleasures of life. The deceitfulness of riches. It says it creeps in and chokes out the fruit. So it does not produce fruit. And verse 20, now verse 20 describes the good soil. And this is what we're praying for, for people's hearts. We prepare that soil through our prayers. Do you think God wants to answer that prayer? Utmost he wants to answer that prayer. But it has to be prayed. Yes. He's just, we've said this before, God seems to not do anything unless somebody prays. You and I are joint heirs with Christ. We're co-laborers in this this whole system. That means you have a responsibility. God has a responsibility. We need to pray for the people that God is going to show you so their heart is softened. It says, verse 20, it says, those sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and receive it and welcome it and bear fruit. Some 30 times as much was sown, some 60 times as much was sown, and even 100 times. Don't you want to be a hundredfold? Uh, I want to be a hundredfold return. And part of becoming a hundredfold return is doing what we're doing right now, learning how to be a witness, actually knowing that is our responsibility to go out there and to speak with the people we know, to pray for these individuals so that this soil of their heart can be softened. I love what Pastor Mamie said. He says even God can use a thunderstorm in their life to soften a hard heart. You pray and ask God to soften that heart. And pray and ask God to send the rain from heaven upon that heart. Because God cares about the one. Yes, he does. He cares about the one. And we need to start to ask God, 
Who can I share my faith with? Who can I invite to church? And we pray and we pray and we pray that that person's heart gets softened. See, because the truth is, put that uh, title slide back up. I mean, look at that, guys. First of all, that's you getting kissed by Jesus. Snuggled up real tight. And don't you want your loved ones to experience that? Yes. Don't you want the people that you know that are far from God, don't you want them to experience that? Do you know what? When you grow in the things of God, I want my enemies to be right there. Because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have failed. And the first time you make a mistake, you're sentenced. That's it. You're sentenced. The wages of sin is death. Eternal death. Eternal death. That's a separation from a God of love. That's a separation from light. That's a separation from companionship. That's a separation from anything that's good in life. And I'm sorry to say, there are some people that are living on earth right now, this is the closest they're ever going to get to heaven without you and I getting involved with the Great Commission. But you and I can change that. Our lives can make a difference in someone else's life. Eternal death. But here's the key. Jesus paid the penalty. And God the Father says... You can go free. (laughs) This is what we want. We want to get serious about the commission that God has placed on us. Because I don't want any of us to stand before God and He says, it's empty for you. It's better to fail at it than not do anything. But if we bathe it in prayer... I mean, seriously, we bathe it in prayer. That's why I want to invite you Tuesdays in the morning, Wednesdays in the evening. That time Wednesday evening is so wonderful because there is a, there, I think there were 16 to 20 people there last Wednesday. And we pray. We pray. And we pray for the lost because Jesus cares about the one. He wants to hug and snuggle. God the Father wants to forgive their sin and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. So let's just bow our heads and just think about maybe a person that the Holy Spirit is already bringing to your mind, to your heart. Yeah. Somebody, whoever it might be. Lord, we lift up these people we lift them up the people that are far from you lord and we consider your love and concern to leave the 99 and go after the one because you cared because you loved them because you wanted them to understand the meaning of their life and their purpose and their destiny found only in you and so father we pray for these people right now we just begin to pray for them we we pray holy spirit that you would use the circumstances in their life, Lord, to help turn their heart towards you. Yes. Soften their heart, Lord. 
I pray, Lord, that the, the reign of the Holy Spirit come and soften their hearts so that when we cross paths with them, when we speak to them, and it may just be something simple, something simple about our faith and what you've done for us in our life, where you put your trust. We share with somebody, Lord, there's a seed that they hear you speaking to them. The seed of your word, of your love, your forgiveness goes planted inside of their yes. heart, Lord. Yes. Holy Spirit, help us, Lord, in the days ahead to keep these, this person in front of our eyes. That when we just think about them, pause in the middle of the day, thank you, Holy Spirit, for reigning on their hearts, softening the soil of their heart. And then, Lord, give us opportunities. Yes. Divine connections, Lord. In your timing, in your ways that we'll pay attention to. That we can do a thing of kindness to them. We can just speak a word of kindness. Ask, can I pray for you for something? Yes. Lord, show us simple ways that we can begin to share our faith. Invite people to the church in order for your harvest, Lord. The precious fruit of the earth can come in. And we thank you, Holy Spirit. We trust you to do it. In Jesus' name. You might be here today and you've never given your life to Christ. You've heard about some of the benefits of your sins are forgiven. Old things pass away. All things become new and all things are of God. And Pastor Mamie made a great point. Just because you come to church doesn't make you a Christian. Just like going into a garage doesn't make you a car. You have to do something. You have to repent. Confess your sins. Let the Lord who created you know, Father God, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I see I've sinned against you. And I am asking you to forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you, Jesus. I want to be born again. I want to be born of your spirit. I want to escape eternal death, eternal destruction and torment. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Come. I want to follow you all the days of my life, the best I know how. And Lord, hook me up with a church that believes the Bible so that I can be strengthened and that I can face what comes forward in the days ahead. That's how we do it. It's how simple it is. He's waiting to hear from you. He's waiting to hear from you. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. amen.